Psalm 78. God wants his people to know their history, to remember their history, and to talk about their history. Why? So that we will live lives of trust and faith in God. God tells us, Psalm 78, tell the next generation about the works of God and the words of God so that they and we will trust and remember and obey. Today on the Songtime Broadcast, we wrap up our study with Chap Bettis here in Psalm 78, a great resource that reminds us how to pass on our faith to the next generation. In today's message, he'll have some practical applications on how and why we ought to do this as we consider those who come behind us. But first, we'll continue our conversation with Bill Mounts as we consider the questions that our culture is raising about faith and the Bible and the many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. All week long, we've been talking with William D. Mounts about his book called Why I Trust the Bible, answers to real questions about doubts people have about the Bible. And as we've been talking, he's explained that this is a book that he wrote about with two people in mind, the college student going off to university in the fall and the parent or the grandparent who's sending their children off to college. Because this is a world that we're living in today where all of these questions are being raised to cast shadows and doubts about our faith. And if you know anything about prodigals, you know that these questions are already ruminating in their heads and they're having access to all of these negative sources in their life. No matter how hard you try to protect them from all of it, it's happening. So, Bill, what kind of advice do you have for any of our college students, any, any young high school college students that are really hearing these questions? What advice do you have for them and how to work through the, the issues and the questions of our day? Um, it's good to ask questions. You, you, you need to ask questions because until you ask questions and you struggle with the answers, you'll never be fully convinced. And I, what I want people to do is to fully trust the Bible and have it be their guide in their life because mm-hmm. it is the right guide. But if you don't struggle with it and think through it, you won't really trust it. Um, we've had two girls die at birth. And mm-hmm. if I waited until then, for, to decide whether I thought God was all good and all powerful. I don't know what I would have done. Um, I, I could have just easily walked away from this God who lets my two girls die. But I'd already made up my mind. I'd already asked the questions. I'd thought through the issues. And I had to kind of reaffirm it when Rose and Rachel died. But I'd already thought through it. And so when those horrible days came, I was ready, somewhat ready for them. So I just think you need to be willing to ask the questions. And then you're going to be getting all kinds of, excuse me, it's just junk in the university. I mean, you, you're going to get just, I, Craig Blomberg said his daughter came home from a secular university once and said that her history, his, her history professor was quoting the Da Vinci Code as historical fact. <laughs> well, she, she very well knew that the author says this is fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, but the history professor wanted, for whatever be the reason, wanted to teach that it was, it shows the Bible's wrong. 
you know, they they, they got um, Constantine making up the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, it's just it's ridiculous. Constantine called Nicaea, but he didn't. He wasn't involved in it. And the, the doctrine of the Trinity was already. It's more. It was more the relationship of the Son to the Father. Um, you know, that was already accepted as an orthodox position. Uh, the Arians were looking at splitting his kingdom, and he didn't want that to happen. But here's this history professor saying Constantine made up the Nicaea made up the doctrine mm. of the Trinity, which is, is just not true. So short answer. When you hear an answer that is contrary to scripture, you owe it to yourself to find the other side. There's always another side. And um, as long as you want to have an honest investigation toward the truth, you have to hear both sides. Mm. And there are plenty of books on the biblical side that will deal with these questions. Hmm. I think that's great advice. Ask questions and ask good questions that get to the actual, the matter of fact. For any of our listeners who have kids that are going to college this fall or have kids Mm -hmm. that have already openly made objections and walked away, uh, a lot of them, I I know, I've heard these stories, they're using uh, all of this stuff in the mainstream media that attacks Christians and say, this is the reason I can't be associated with this because it's such a Mm -hmm. group full of hate. For our listeners who are struggling with a lot of these concerns, um, they're wavering. They're 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 wondering how to answer the questions that are being raised. What what advice do you have for the parents that are going through this? Pray number one. Uh, this is a we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And Satan and his dominion are in overdrive right now, and uh, you can't defeat it by human means. Um, you, you have to be praying. And second of all, keep your relationship with your children. Uh, even if they completely disagree, you want to keep the, you want to keep the communication open because they may reject what you believe now, but if you have that relationship and you keep strengthening that relationship, when they turn 35, they may go, Oh my goodness, my mom was right all along and, and come back. So you just, you have to have that relationship. Um, it doesn't do any good to squelch your kids questioning because that'll just make most kids even run away from you further. Uh, but you need to know the answers. And by the way, what I did in the book was in, it's broken into sections and there's generally two chapters to each section. And the first chapter in a section is just the real broad stroke answers, the basic pictures. The second chapter in each section goes into much more detail. So what you need to do at least is at least read the first chapter in each section and and get the answers um, for yourself so that when they do come with questions, you don't sound like a goofus, Mm -hmm. but you go, well, you know, gospel stories were, were anonymous. We don't really know who wrote them. The answer is that actually is not true. Uh, In every manuscript that we have where it has the beginning of it, the author name is, is mentioned and there never was a question. No one ever said anyone but Matthew wrote the first gospel. No one ever said anyone but Mark wrote the second. Oh, oh, okay. So I, I guess I guess those are. In other words, if you just have these basic answers, um, what what I found when I'm speaking is you, you can see the tension in the people's face, mm. and you give like a basic answer like that, and you can see them relax. And you can go on, you know, I'll give other information or whatnot, but it's that it's like they're saying, okay, there is an answer. And even if I can't remember it, I can look it up in the book and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
But just yeah, yeah, parents need to know this. I had a very good friend whose son presented him a spreadsheet of 200 contradictions in the Bible and said he was abandoning the faith. And mm. my friend was brokenhearted. We went and had dinner with them that night. I looked at the spreadsheet and not one of them was a problem. Well, the Bible says you can sacrifice children. It says you can't sacrifice children. Really? Where in the Bible does it say you can sacrifice a baby to Moloch? You know, and he just grossly misunderstood the Bible. That's the most extreme case I know of. We've been talking with William D. Mounts, who is the author of Why I Trust the Bible, answers to real questions about doubts but uh, people have uh, about the Bible itself. And uh, a great resource, but there's much more. And uh, Bill, you've even mentioned that you've got more that you've written since this book has been published. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can right. find out more information? Yeah, thanks. I forgot to mention that. If you go to my personal website, it's billmounts.com slash trust. Um, there's uh, a video that I did to kind of introduce each chapter. And then there were a lot of things I wasn't able to discuss in the 80,000 words I was given. <laughs> and so I keep adding things, um, discussions about topics um, in there. So you, know, you, you may find some of that stuff helpful. Mm. All the resources are there. And again, to all of our listeners, if you have questions, reach out to us. We'd be glad to help you and point you along to not only this great book, but also the resources online. Again, I can't thank you enough, Bill, for being a part of the many voices for that one message and helping us walk through these questions and giving us confidence once again that we can stand on the, the foundation that Scripture gives us. My pleasure. Thank you. We have so many great resources here on the Songtime Broadcast. I hope that you take advantage of them. Maybe you've never called before, but you, you heard a question or you had a question about a book. or you maybe, We have these books available. I mean, the, the publicists send them as a resource that we can share with you in our community. So take advantage of it. Get a copy of a great book that will help you answer the questions that your children and your grandchildren are asking. Give us a call, 508 362 7070 or head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we're continuing our study here in Psalm 78, a psalm that is really about reaching the next generation and teaching them the history of our faith. Here's a question I have for you. How much of the Old Testament do you know and understand? We talked about that last week, the importance of having a foundation of understanding the big movements of the Old Testament and how they play into the New Testament. Well, the question we're asking today is, how much of that are you able to pass on to the next generation? Do you have that history? Do you have that story, that understanding of the redemptive story from Genesis? to Revelation. Well, it's a challenge for all of us as we don't grow up with that robust understanding. We have to be taught. And more importantly, we need to teach the next generation. Here, Chap Bettis explains to us how Psalm 78 lays out the history in a beautiful way to give us an understanding of how we're constantly repeating the same cycle. Here is Chap Bettis. That brings us really to the next section. And it's, that section is quite long. So we're going to, we're going, I'm going to take us through that because obviously the writer wants us to learn from the spiritual ancestors that have gone before. But I want you to look at how the psalmist comments, they didn't remember how God had, had led them. They didn't obey him. And their history, really in one sense, is our history. So let's read together. They're not looking back at what God 
has done. But God graciously, verse, let me start again in verse 21. Therefore the Lord heard, God hears what we say, and became furious. Then fire broke out against Jacob, and anger flared up against Israel because they did not believe God or rely on his salvation. And yet his grace comes through. He gave a command to the clouds above, opened the doors of heaven, and rained manna for them to eat. He gave them grain from heaven. People ate the bread of angels. He sent them an abundant supply of food. And then he goes on. He talks about how he fed them with quail. He made the east wind blow in the skies and drove the south wind by his might. He rained meat on them like dust and winged birds like the sand of the seas. He made them fall in his camp all around his tent. They ate and were completely satisfied for he gave them what they craved. Here God is, the people are not looking back at how God's providing. Instead, what they're doing is looking forward and they're saying, how are we going to be fed? God has led us out here. What is God going to do looking forward? And God graciously feeds 2 million people with manna day after day. And then they complain, that's not enough. I wish we had some meat. At least we had meat back in Egypt. And God gives them God gives, feeds two million people quail for a whole month. Verse 30, before they had satisfied their desire, while the food was still in their mouths, God anger, God's anger flared up against them and he killed some of their best men and struck down Israel's choice young men. See both God's provision and God's judgment and discipline. Verse 32, despite all of this, they kept on sinning and did not believe. It strikes me that the Christian life is very similar, in fact, it's meant to be, to the, to the wanderings of the Israelites. Scripture compares that just as the Israelites were in bondage to Egypt, we are in bondage to slavery. And God leads us out. God sets us free. But he doesn't bring us to the promised land immediately. And often in this time, when we are in the desert, God is going to give his people, the one that he has his eye on, he's actually going to give them trials. And those trials when we're in the desert are not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. Those trials are to increase our faith. He's given us a test. The question is, are we going to look forward and see the desert and look around us and see two million people and say, where is God? And grumble about what God is going to, where God has led us. Are we going to look back and remember all the ways God has graciously provided for us thus far. And if God is leading us by a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, if he's provided for us in the past, isn't he going to provide for us in the future as well? Are you a person who's given to complaining? Are you a person who's given to grumbling? You just want to be taken straight to the promised land. God doesn't do that. He brings us through the desert. And he gives us trials to grow our faith. And yet verse 38 and 39, what gracious words in the middle of Israel's sin. Yet he was compassionate. He atoned for their guilt. He didn't destroy them. He often turned his anger aside. He did not unleash all of his wrath. He remembered that they were only flesh, a wind that passes and does not return. That's your God. That's your Father. Compassionate, atoning, often, often not disciplining when he could, knowing that we're flesh. 
Let me just give you several suggestions, perhaps some applications that might apply. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, one application is this. The most obvious is, will you seek to know God? Will you seek Christ? He rewards those who diligently seek him through Jesus Christ in 2015, just like he works in 2014 and 13 and 12 and 11 for years and years. God is at work. Second application. I want to encourage you to list the ways God has been faithful to you over the years. You. How has God been faithful to you? And dwell on that. Listening to Spurgeon's encouragement. That, that list will help grow your faith. That list will help you fight depression. That list will help you fight grumbling. That list will make you mature. As you can look back and see, here's all the ways God has worked in my life. That list of miracles will help you as you look, as God has to walk you through days of monotony. And I say that with parentheses. Every day is not a day of miracle. Third application might be this. Has God got you in a desert place right now? Are you in a hard time? How are you handling that test? Are, we, are you grumbling? Listen, listen to yourself this week. Listen to yourself and seek to catch yourself complaining. Philippians says that as we do everything without complaining and arguing, that's one of the ways God's people are totally different than the world. A fourth application might be this. Who can you encourage with the work of God or the words of God. We want to speak the gospel at home. We want to live the gospel at home to encourage each other by talking about the works of God and the word of God for the glory of God. Psalm 78. God wants his people to know their history, to remember their history, and to talk about their history. Why? So that we will live lives of trust and faith in God. God tells us, Psalm 78, tell the next generation about the works of God and the words of God so that they and we will trust and remember and obey. All week long, we've been listening to this message from my good friend, Chap Bettis, who has a remarkable ministry here on Cape Cod called the Apollos Project. It's all about discipleship, and it is designed to to help parents and grandparents disciple the next generation. He's also written the book, The Disciple-Making Parent. It's a great resource, and as a local New Englander, he is someone that I constantly am referencing and pointing people to because I believe that his ministry and his resource is a blessing to this area. It's hard to get great teachers to come and visit New England, but to have somebody that's already a part of our community, that is a resource worth sharing. If you want to find out more information about Chap Bettis, give us a call, 508-362-7070. You know, as we wrap up this study in Psalm 78, and we have this long story of, of all of these blessings in the story of Israel and their constant failure, it reminds me of something really, really important. So often we've been talking about sharing our testimony and passing on our faith to the next generation and talking about the high moments, the the wonders that God has done, the good works that he's done, and, and personal testimonies, which are so important. But we also need to be open and honest with the next generation about sin, especially our own sin. When we've sinned against them, we need to be open and willing to confess it because we don't want to repeat the problem of the past, the problem of the people of Israel who constantly forgot the faithfulness of God. And sometimes we see that most clearly 
when we mess up, when we, when we make a mistake, then we can acknowledge that God is faithful even when we sin. Don't miss those opportunities with your children. Don't miss them with your grandchildren. If you've harmed them, if you've hurt them, if you've, if you've broken the relationship, do the right thing. Make them aware that you have confessed your sin and that you are crying out to God for forgiveness. But you're also crying out to them so they might see that you are genuine and, and contrite in heart so that they might join with us in giving glory to our Father in heaven. That's our prayer, and that's my encouragement to you. I hope that we've been able to bless you. If we have, I hope that you'll be a blessing to us in return. This is the middle of our fundraiser. We really need your help. We need your prayers. We need your support. Help us out. Call it Christmas in July if you want to. Support the ministry here by giving and giving faithfully. As God has blessed you, be a blessing in return when you write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. Or you can head over to our website at songtime.com, and you can always look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Psalm 85, 4 and 7. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. <laughs>